0: Whether you thrived on the field or begged your parents to let you quit, many of us played a sport growing up. And that's still true for more than 55% of kids between the ages 12 and 17, according to the CDC. And while this rate of participation between boys and girls is almost equal, journalist Christine Yu noticed that studies on athlete performance often favors one gender.
1: And as I talked more to athletes and researchers and experts in the field, I really realized how little we know about female physiology as a whole. And I really wanted to know why. Like, it was so so confusing to me because this wasn't very long ago. It was like probably 2017, 2018 or something like that.
0: Yu is an award-winning journalist and author of Up to Speed, the groundbreaking science of women athletes. Her book questions why there's a gap in the medical study of female athletes. Even though there's a lot of overlap in the health of men and women, you says factors such as the female menstrual cycle make a big difference in how women develop and function. For example, their body performance changes when there's an influx of hormones like estrogen and progesterone.
1: Because of those fluctuating levels of hormones, there might be periods of time in which... Theoretically, you might be more primed to put on muscle if you're doing strength training. There might be periods of time because estrogen always kind of also makes you kind of energetic in a way, too, where you feel better when you're working out. There might be times where your body metabolizes carbohydrates or fat differently, and that could potentially affect, again, how you feel depending on the type of exercise that you're doing.
0: Sound complicated? It is, which is why you couldn't believe the lack of data on women's bodies. And this issue isn't confined to just sports medicine. Dr. Nisa Goldberg is a cardiologist and clinical professor of medicine at New York University Grossman School of Medicine. She says that much of the public's knowledge on heart health is based on studies of men.
2: First of all, men were making most of the decisions for most of the research projects. But also, when they would do laboratory studies using rats, They would only use male rats because they would say that they were concerned about the influence that different hormonal changes would have on the research. Well, that's the point. We need to know this information, otherwise we're leaving good health care away from 50 percent of the population.
0: You adds that this approach is still upheld by some scientists. When I asked
1: researchers, why aren't you studying women? Like, what's going on here? Most often the answer is that it's because of the menstrual cycle, right? Because as scientists, they want to eliminate any possible variable, right? They're interested in finding does Y affect X and does that lead to Z, right? And so they need to get rid of anything that could potentially muddy the waters. Fluctuating hormones is something that muddies the waters, right? So like it's just easier to study men because you don't have that same Hormonal interference. If they did study women, it would be more expensive, take more time. They have to like test and, you know, account for where they are in the cycle and how that might affect this. So it's just easier to not include women.
0: This lack of study around women means that many of the recommendations in place today don't factor in how their bodies respond differently to men's. One prime example are the signs of a heart attack. If you immediately think of chest pain or discomfort in the neck or jaw, you're only thinking of the typical signs in men. While women can also have these feelings, they have a much longer list of symptoms.
2: They feel so short of breath, like they've run a marathon, but they haven't really moved at all. They could faint and collapse. The chest discomfort, there's a real thought that the chest discomfort has to occur on the left side, but it can occur anywhere above the waist. And sometimes people have it lower down in their chest. So they easily mistake it as a stomach ailment and try taking antacids or something.
0: But possibly the biggest difference is that Goldberg says women feel mild symptoms about six weeks before they have a heart attack. Goldberg has been recognized as a pioneer of women's heart health for decades. She noticed early on in her career that more often than not, women weren't being heard.
2: I remember when I was in my first job, I was asked to do a stress test on a woman who worked at my hospital. She told me the story that she had been to five doctors and was told a range of things like, you're stressed out, you need to relax. One gave her a prescription for Valium. Another one told her to go on vacation. And finally, one of my colleagues admitted her to the hospital where he found out she didn't have a heart attack and they wanted to get more information about her heart
0: so the doctors ordered a stress test, which monitors a patient's heart rate, rhythm, and blood pressure while walking on a treadmill. Goldberg ran the lab at the time and noticed that within the first couple minutes, her patient had tightness in her throat and the EKG data became abnormal. Goldberg immediately stopped the test and called the patient's doctor. I said to him,
2: your patient just was on the treadmill for only a couple of minutes, and I think she has an obstruction to her arteries. and." He said to me, wow, I don't think so. She's a woman. But Goldberg persisted.
0: She knew the patient was a single mom with a high stress job and a history of high blood pressure.
2: And I said to him, I don't know. The test results are pretty objective. It's abnormal. And she had symptoms. And then the nurse working with me said to the doctor, I'd like to speak with you because she had been a nurse way longer than I was a cardiologist. And they had a conversation and he came out and he said, Nisa, I agree with you. She needs further testing. And she went on to have a coronary angiogram and she had a 99% blockage in the artery that supplied the front part of her heart muscle. So she had coronary artery disease. She had heart disease.
0: This is just one instance that pushed Goldberg to write her book, Women Are Not Small Men, Life-Saving Strategies for Preventing and Healing Heart Disease in Women. And though it debuted over 20 years ago, Goldberg says women still have to push to have their voices heard in medicine.
2: Like the patient, sometimes my voice wasn't being heard at work. And still, we still continue to have to get people to hear your voice because women do sound different than men. So when I entitled my book, Women Are Not Small Men, it's because I wanted to call attention that women weren't men at all. And they shouldn't be treated less well than men in the healthcare system. And we need health equity. And we continue to have to raise our voices to make sure women get the health
0: care they deserve. You adds that this isn't just a problem for adults. This one-sided research appears in many stages in life, even during puberty. So as
1: boys develop and they go through their growth spurt, they get a huge boost of testosterone, right? So that means that they emerge from puberty taller, stronger, more powerful because they're putting on muscle mass. And that kind of becomes the norm and like what we expect kids and how they develop. It's almost like a stepwise, like linear path up. Like you're just, you grow, you get stronger, you get faster because that's what we see in boys. Whereas when we see in girls, it doesn't quite look like that. Again, because, yes, their bodies are growing in height, but we're also adjusting to, like, widening hips and growing breasts. And our different hormones are fluctuating in different ways.
0: Meaning that their athletic progression looks much different than boys. Instead of a straight path, girls' performance dips and changes throughout their teen years.
1: And so we then think that there's something wrong with the way that teenage girls are progressing athletically if their progress stalls. Like, they must be doing something wrong. They need to double down or they need to lose weight, right? Like, that's a big one. And so we do a disservice to girls, I think, when we just keep them or think about them in terms of only this one standard.
0: Without proper research, women are left in the dark about their own health risks. You says new studies show that girls are more likely to suffer from overuse injuries, burnout, and major injuries like ACL tears. But are these increased risks due to the female body or a lack of preventative research?
1: I think part of that is due to the fact that we don't understand girls' physiology really well. And we also don't really understand what's appropriate for those bodies that are still maturing, right? Because if you think about it, that maturational phase, it's almost like you're blowing glass, right? And you have this like, almost molten form that you're trying to get into this adult form. But while you're still blowing and molding it, it's really pliable and fragile and vulnerable, right? So that's the point in adolescence where we're also asking girls to take on more training, to do more complicated like tumbling passes and gymnastics, uh, to dedicate themselves to sports. So we're we're almost like asking for it right? in a way and setting them up for failure in a way
0: which you believes creates a narrative that the problem is with female bodies instead of the one-size-fits-all training and diet.
1: The way that we think about injuries so much is, well, if men aren't getting injured and women are, then there must be something wrong with women, right? Like there must be something wrong with our bodies that make us more injury prone or puts us at greater risk. And 100%, right? There are those anatomical differences. There are those sex-based differences. There are things that may potentially make us more injury prone or like put us at greater risk but what we haven't really considered is the actual environment around us in which we are actually functioning in
0: as more and more studies are coming out about female health goldberg says we're finally able to start customizing healthcare to women's needs
2: it has to be a mindset in the healthcare system that first no two patients are alike and you can't assume that men and women are alike It's not just about high cholesterol, diabetes, cigarette smoking, lack of exercise and obesity. In women, we've learned that risk factors that occur during pregnancy, such as preeclampsia, preterm birth, hypertension during pregnancy, or even gestational diabetes can influence that woman's risk
0: for heart disease later on in life. She believes healthcare needs to broaden its scope to risk factors, even outside of heart health. That will drive women to their doctors so that they can stay ahead of the threats and diseases. Goldberg says she's recently seen a greater effort being made to include women in research. But it's been a slow process to get to this point, and the work isn't done.
2: It's really interesting. I was at a medical conference recently, and they had a panel on women and heart disease. It's interesting that they kind of used a variation of the title of my book. And you can consider that flattering but on the other hand, I found it disappointing that we're still talking about this.
0: Even with this slow progress, female patients need to continue to educate and advocate for themselves to make sure they're being seen as an individual. Use book, Up to Speed, is available now. You can find more information about Christine Yu and Dr. Nisa Goldberg on our website, radiohealthjournal.org. Our writer-producer is Kristen Farah. Our executive producer is Amira Zaferi. I'm Elizabeth Westfield. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal.
1: You have brain fog or fatigue, we're gonna give you some ADHD medication. This is kind of the approach to modern medicine where they will identify a symptom and give you a Band-Aid for it.
0: Why just treating the symptoms of adrenal dysfunction isn't enough. Then what you need to know about social media's magic weight loss drug.
2: If it took somebody 40 years to gain to a certain weight, we're not gonna take it off in three to six months. That's not how it works.
0: All that and more on Radio Health Journal. I'm Nancy Benson, host of Radio Health Journal.
1: If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints.
0: In most high schools in America, students have very little understanding of personal finance. It's not something that's been prioritized in American education systems.
1: The importance of learning good money habits early on. Then.
0: People less stressed, they get more sleep, they're enjoying their lives more, but then they bring a very productive person to work as well.
1: The many upsides of a four-day work week. But is it too good to be true? i'm marty peterson and i'm gary price these stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine viewpoints and that's radio health journal for this week follow us on twitter facebook and instagram to learn more and check apple podcasts google play and spotify for a library of past programs plus you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another
0: edition of Radio Health Journal.